If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs and that's all thanks to our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Jack Stad, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Tom Kim, Chris Moore and Tim. Thank you all so much for your Patreon support. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast. Also check out our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and uh, Spotify or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. Also like, subscribe and review. That helps people find the Suns cast. Now, today's special guest is Tom Boswell. I'm your host, Shane, and uh, let's get into it. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's good to be, good to be back for a second time. Yeah, it's been a while since uh, last time. I think uh, a lot went down. You've um, been quite busy over the, at the Gold Coast Bulletin with football being such a big thing last year here in in Queensland and um, it seems to be off to a busy news week this week as well. How has it been for for yourself and the Gold Coast Bulletin? Do you think there's been a a larger uptake and larger interest in AFL and in particular the Gold Coast Suns? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess more supporters uh, in the sport at at grassroots and elite level is only going to lead to more interest and, and that interest means that more people want to know about it and kind of grow their knowledge and, and know about the teams they support. So it kind of feeds on the back of that. Um, a lot of the times you'll you'll see the media reflect what people are reading the most. So um, traditionally that's been rugby league and that's understandable, but you see a lot more AFL popping up and um, that's probably on the back of not only the success of um, the AFL brand, but also the, um, the impact that the competition had last year in, in COVID. Yeah. And your, your Gold Coast Suns podcast, The Heat Room, sponsored by the Gold Coast Bulletin, um, that's taken off quite a bit. Um, you're no, now no longer just sort of on the Gold Coast Bulletin page. You've spread out and you're on all good podcasting platforms. That's obviously doing pretty well for you as well. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's a, a great deal of fun. I, I enjoy it immensely. So I, I figured out why um, why you've been doing this for so long, mate. It's um, it's really great to to be able to go out there. It's a, a different format and allows you to kind of express uh, opinions and and give a bit more back to the other uh, fans because a lot of the times in in stories you only really got three hundred, four hundred words to to really you know, nail down a, a certain issue or get a couple of quotes out. But there's a lot of um, information, a lot of stuff that we kind of come across for the Suns and, and other sports that you probably just don't get to put out there that a lot of fans probably want to know. So it's uh, it's a good avenue to kind of uh, do that and, and to build some engagement with the fans. It certainly is. I enjoy listening to it every week. I've put up a uh, post on our Facebook page so you can find the latest episode of the Heat Room podcast right here on our facebook page the gc Sunscast. um it's certainly easier to talk about football than to write about it i presume uh i can imagine the amount of work that goes into 
writing an article and all the editing and then putting it out there when you could basically just talk about it and uh, probably find it a lot more fluent and a lot more easier to, to discuss. Yeah, definitely. I mean, both both have pros and cons, but um, you could spend half a day making all the calls you, you need for a certain story and, um, and kind of crafting it and, and shaping it the way you kind of need to, to to get it all across, whereas... Um, if you have a bit of information in front of you and you, you provide a bit of colour through through a bit of banter and chat, then it's um, I find you probably find the same that you, you probably hit the half hour mark pretty quickly. So um, you could go on for, for hours, but I think everyone would get bored of us. But the um, yeah, you find you kind of take up the time pretty pretty quickly, and it shows how enjoyable it is and how easy it is to do. Yeah, it certainly goes by very fast and I usually have to scrap quite a bit. But it helps when you've got a good co-host, someone to, to bounce off and chat with. And uh, you do such a great job there with Sean Tobin. He's always uh, very positive and lots to talk about um, and he knows his stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. He's a good media man, Sean. I, I came across him um, just before I probably started the Bulletin when he was kind of working as the, the main media man at the Gold Coast Suns and um, back in the Carmichael Hunt days. And, um, yeah, it was, we kind of struck up a good um, friendship and uh, worked pretty closely there at the Suns on a, on a daily basis virtually. So when he kind of went off and, and did his own uh, media work with Exclusive Insight with Gary Ablett, then it kind of opened um, him up to be able to do different different things that he, that he kind of wanted in different passion projects. So um, he knew it was something that I wanted to do for a while and, um, yeah, Thankfully, um, he, he's a lot more experienced on the technical side of things. I, I kind of lean on him a lot to do the, uh, the editing and production and that kind of stuff, and I just kind of try to bring the information. So uh, we kind of bounce off each other pretty well, and it seems to do okay. Yeah, it does. Uh, speaking of media, the Amazon documentary for the AFL, Making Their Mark, came out in the last few weeks. Have you had a chance to watch that, and what, what are your thoughts on it? I did. I, um, I I absolutely loved it. I'm I'm glad they do it. I hope it I hope it kind of provides a foundation for for more of this. I'd love to see um, different kind of storylines played out over the next few years, and I hope it's saying they can almost turn into an annual event um, with different things. Um, I, I love the format of it. I loved being able to see different teams. Um, I would have loved to see a pure Suns one because I found myself at stages wanting to kind of skip ahead just to watch the Suns, despite how good I enjoyed uh, Nick Natanui and the likes of Stephen Coniglio. Um, but, yeah, I did kind of want to want to skip ahead to the Suns. I got a chance to catch up with Stewie Jew kind of the, the week it came out, and I was just chatting to him and wanted to get his thoughts on it just kind of off the record, and he was saying um, you kind of realise how much is cut and just kind of left on the, the cutting room floor because these guys followed them around for the whole year and obviously they only got a few minutes at a time over six or seven episodes. So a lot of it was kind of cut out and obviously they go for the drama, um, which they understand. But, yeah, you um, you would have loved to see an in-depth one on just kind of just the sons and, and then just like their own their own little platforms to, to do it on. Um, but I, overall, I think they did a uh, terrific job. What did, what did you make of it? I enjoyed it, same as you. It was something that... I took an interest in the whole thing, but as it went on and on, I found myself really only just wanting to get to those bits about the suns. Um, is not to say that everything else wasn't of interest or valuable. It, there was a lot more drama in the other stuff, but uh, seeing the way Stuart Jew interacted with the players and with the media as well, as you would have 
known from your experience. It was very interesting and quite telling. Uh, There was a brief moment, I think, maybe only one or two scenes where he... Stuart Jew was actually interacting with the media in protect, in particular the uh, guy from Seven I think it was that kept calling him uh, Dewey <laughs> yep. um, does that sort of scene does that sort of remind you like does that line up with how you see it as being part of the media um, well, I think that was a pretty unique stance I, I was a bit disappointed they actually showed that because um, I don't think it portrayed young Mitch in a very uh, a nice light I know he's embraced it pretty well in the aftermath of all, but in terms of what you could, um, what added value to the um, the actual episode, I think that was a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, a cheap cheap shot of the um, old Mitch. Um, I guess I, I personally didn't didn't like it, but um, yeah, I'm sure that, that kind of stuff goes on all the time, and um, yeah, I do, um, he didn't seem to mind it too much. So yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I did, it didn't sit well with me that one. I I did think it was funny at the time like it it sort of sold me on the the humor of Stuart Jew being that sort of relatable sort of bloke but again thinking about how it sort of paints Mitch in that scenario um it's not a good look and it also sort of comes back on the Stuart Jew as being someone that you know said something about someone else behind their back sort of thing even though I don't think there was too much malice intended in it um, no, definitely not. So it doesn't it doesn't reflect Stewie's character, and yeah. then it also it probably just wasn't necessary to add yeah. um, into it. I don't think, but yeah. But did you were you across what he was doing with the um, the mountain bike, the the Everest challenge when yeah, that was happening? Were you across all that? Yeah, it was pretty pretty impressive at the time. I couldn't I couldn't believe it, and I think he said he actually get to go in the uh, the night before to get a head start on it because. Um, the guys were going to catch up on him but I know in those long distance events that you, you tend to try to eat uh, food that you know you'll have the gels and that kind of stuff that give you quick uh, bits of carbs and sugar and that kind of stuff to go through so he, I can't remember how many he said he ended up going through but after a few of those you start to get very sick of them so um, yeah I can't imagine how he, how he was able to kind of stomach it all um, over that period and then plus stay awake and keep the legs turning over I yeah uh, yeah, I was very impressed by that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think it was about 23 hours or so he'd been doing it for. That's pretty amazing. Um, and then Matt Rowell and uh, I think it's Alex Rigby, the physio. Yep. Uh, he, uh, I think they did it I'm in about eight, 17 or 18 hours. Um, yeah, I don't know if they mentioned it, but um, Alex Rigby used to be, uh, be a professional Ironman. Oh. So, um, yeah, those long-distance triathlons. So he's um, he's very... Uh, fit mate i reckon he could probably run off the uh the legs of a few of those sons boys so um yeah he's a he's a sneaky sneaky one there alex he's a very fit man yeah anyway that was a great bit of uh documentary if you haven't checked it out i recommend checking it out um on amazon uh hopefully they bring out another one in the next couple of years i'd love to see the uh documentary on the rise of the suns um it looks like we're who, heading who in the right direction see? if they had to follow another person or player if, who, who okay. would you want if they were to follow one person i'd be very interested in actually following not another player but following mark evans with <laughs> with what he's done in the last few years um with bringing players into his home as well. 
I'd be very curious to see how that all plays out. Um, I'm not sure if he, he would still be doing it with the way this club is at the moment. But if you could go back two or three years and have camera crews following Mark Evans, I think that would be an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, you'd pay a lot of money to see that one because obviously he's the man who knows all the secrets. So, um, yes, if you managed to get a camera following him, you'd be doing pretty well. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get into the football. This weekend, there was a doubleheader at Metricon. Their first game was AFLW, Gold Coast Suns versus the Geelong Cats. It was the last game of the season and unfortunately the last chance for the Suns to get a win and they didn't deliver. Three goals, 6-24, lost to Geelong, six goals, 5-41. They were slow out of the blocks and it just continued another winless season. Um, The the best on ground was Alison Drennan, Lauren Bella, uh, Lauren Ahrens and uh, I can't remember her first name, uh, Levi. They were the best. Madison Levi? Yeah, that's it. Madison Levi. I wanted to say Maddie there. But they were the best all season and they continued up in this game. Uh, Kalinda Howarth was probably the notable person from this game. Uh, She had a return to form with two goals and one that happened to hit the post. Um, So not a good finish to the AFLW season. They've had a lot of records this year, which they probably don't want to have the largest losing margin, the lowest score, and also a winless season. So were you at the game for that one, or did you get there later for the North Melbourne men's game? Uh, I saw a lot of it on TV and then arrived um, in live for the men's game, but um, I I had a feeling that I wasn't really missing much in that AFLW game after the season they've had, which is is really disappointing um, because they're a team that when they're created, they seem to have this really good um, mix of youth and experience. And it seemed like they were being built in a really smart way as opposed to the men. But it's um, it's turned pretty quickly. Uh, what were, A season that had so much promise. They showed glimpses last year and played some really good footy. But it seems like they've taken a lot of steps backwards. Um, those inside the club had uh, determined to think that they've they've improved as a side and that the competition maybe has just gotten even better. But um, I don't know if that's much saving grace. It's been a, it's been a really hard year to, to watch. Uh, and I'm sure all the girls are really disappointed. You mentioned the best players in that game and you're right. They're, they're the ones that have kind of stood up all year for the team. And I, I, I feel like they, there's, there's a few key players that really probably missed their mark uh, in a lot of games this year. And whether or not it was on the back of COVID or work, I'm, I'm not too sure, but it's, um, it wasn't good to see, and particularly given David Lake is on a two-year deal that ends this year. I mean, he's just come off a winless season in all those records you mentioned. Are they when they review this? Are they going to actually have to have to look at David Lake in, in his position? They absolutely have to. From a fan's point of view, it's not good enough for winless season, and someone has to answer. Um, it's a, I know it's cliche, but it is a win-loss game, and someone's head has to roll if the team's not performing. Unfortunately for David Lake, he's the head coach and he has to, to wear the brunt of that. Um, I think it's it wasn't a good look, his post-match conference. He seemed to be very much a die-on-this-hill sort of attitude, defending himself and the way the team's gone this year. And that's probably not... Certainly not what fans want to hear and probably not what he should have been messaging out of the club um yeah 
So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, do you have any sort of dates on when we can expect any news regarding his contract and the review of the AFLW season? Does that happen soon or does that get put on yeah. hold? They'll do, um, they'll do player reviews and then uh, review the coaches and all that kind of stuff after that. Um, that's the usual kind of standard procedure, but given that Mark Evans is down in um, Adelaide and the uncertainty around where the men are going to be, it will might come down to staffing a bit and, and when they can actually get everyone together. So uh, it might be a bit unique in that sense. So no, no certain dates kind of set in stone. But, um, yeah, my, my biggest concern through the year was probably that there was a lack of a plan B. It almost like you kept trying to butt, butt the head against a wall trying to do the same thing that wasn't working. So... Um, that was my biggest concern, really. I think David Lake, having spoken to him and listened to him a bit, he's a really good communicator and a really good mentor of players. So um, I, I wouldn't be too concerned if they went went on with him, and I think he can do a job. But I just think that they really need to have a good look at um, their structures and, and how they plan on, on getting success. Yeah. Well, certainly a story we'll have to follow, and uh, I'm sure you'll break it when it comes to to the the forefront and uh, check out the Gold Coast Bulletin to follow that story. Um, the other game for the first double header at Metricon for this season, um, Gold Coast Suns took on North Melbourne in the AFL Men's. Gold Coast Suns won that pretty comfortably, comfortably, fourteen fourteen ninety eight to North Melbourne's five goals nine thirty nine. A 59-point win, the highest winning margin off the round. Um, that pr- stat probably doesn't say too much, considering it's North Melbourne and they're widely predicted to be uh, wooden spooners this year. Three goals to King, three goals to Rankin, two goals to Sexton. Uh, best on ground, Noah Anderson with 35 disposals at 80% efficiency, nine marks, and that was the best game he's ever played in Suns colours. Brandon Ellis was up there as well with 33 disposals, 8 marks, 572 metres gained. And Lockie Weller with 25 disposals, 617 metres gained. But the player ratings for the night tell a different story as it looks to some of the underrated heroes at the Suns with Sam Collins, a 20.8 player rating. Jack Bowes, 18.5, and Greenwood, 17.6. They were the three highest play ratings on the night. And I think it sort of showed just the team effort that was delivered by the Suns. What the other um, Suns player I'd like to highlight, which was such a, a thrill to watch this season, was um, Oleg Markov. His lively run with his and dash off the halfback flank all night resulted in some great um, pieces of play. And a fantastic goal as well, which is actually the play of the game for this week. Markov and his running goal early in the game, I think it was the second quarter, running off halfback and going all the way down to the forward line to just get the ball in for a goal after a umpire score review, just to clarify it didn't touch the post. How did you see that game, Tom, from up yeah, in the uh... media box? I, I liked it, and just on the Oleg uh, goal, it wasn't of a shame to get a review for your first goal for the for the Suns. Just kind of put a damper it, on the celebrations as he ran around the field, didn't it? It sucked the momentum uh, out of it, isn't it? Everyone was just sort of waiting there, going, "Did it touch the post? What's going on there?" 
Yeah, but he had some fantastic runs, so credit to him. I, I thought a couple of times he just kind of butchered the ball a little bit, but um, I, that's a, that's probably marking it a bit harsh. But yeah, some definite run and speed off that that back line, which is fantastic to see. But overall, it was an incredible incredible game. You mentioned the guys who kicked multiple goals, but I think they had a lot of different goal kickers as well, which was which is really pleasing because if you're not relying on just one player and you've got uh, numerous players hitting the scoreboard. Um, it means everyone's a genuine threat and um, a lot of people are open. So forward line and midfield is obviously working in synergy. Um, Noah Anderson, you mentioned a f- fantastic game, uh, stepping out of Matty Rao's shadow. And, and you say it's kind of his best game, but he, geez, I don't know if you've seen a, seen a bad game from him yet. He's, he is fantastic. And he, he arrived at the club is kind of this uh, incredible ball user and, and great outside runner, whereas Matty Rao, his best mate, was inside the engine room winning the ball to get it to him. Whereas over the preseason, you'd see it in the first couple of rounds, Noah, Noah's that big now. He's grown that much that he can actually win his own ball inside. So he's one of the most well-rounded young players I think I've seen. He, he's not only got the outside run ability with pace and endurance, uh, good by hand and foot, really good decision maker, uh, can spot a target and, and a lead, but he can also win his ball now. So um, it might be controversial to say, but in a couple of years, do you reckon he might actually go past Matty Rao? I don't know. I think he's very capable of it, especially if Rao's getting set back with injuries. Um, I mean, I, I think Noah Anderson was very much under the radar behind Matty Rao, and not too much was given to him as far as credit goes through his draft year. And uh, in his first year at the Suns, I think the last half of last year, we saw a really, we saw a glimpse of Noah Anderson and what he's really capable of as he was moved more into the midfield and he had a couple of games where he looked really good. And today or Saturday, we saw that at its potential of just how good he can be. If he could get to the stage where he's doing this consistently, He'd be a premier midfielder in the competition, maybe even the best. And, um, you know, it could be the case where Matt Rowe comes back in and they're tagging Noah Anderson and not Matt Rowe. (laughs) Geez, that'd be good. To to have that many good midfielders at your disposal, they don't know who to tag. Um, That's that's the dream, isn't it? That is. It's what makes good teams great. Um, So any criticism? How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com from the game my one I don't know if it was where I was sitting at ground level but I felt like there was a lot of fumbles um, a lot of missed opportunities and the delivery inside 50 inside 50 still needed a lot of work yeah I, I know you're saying that what they're working on um, over the off season was the the entries inside 50 meters they found last year that uh, what the entries that they're going inside 50 for marks at goal, they're actually taking pretty shallow entries, uh, as they say. So they weren't getting it deep right into the uh, into the box. So um, they were taking it on really sharp angles and, and 45 to 50 metres out. So um, early on, I found they were doing that again. They, they were struggling to get really close to goal. Um, but then they found a way after probably 
through the second quarter and into the third, they started being able to get those deep entries and being able to get those goals that were really going to make it easy for the likes of Ben King to, to kick. Um, my only concern, and it's probably a natural sign that that happens with the intensity of the game and how it's being played, is there was a, a noticeable drop after halftime in intensity from both teams. There was obvious fatigue, and I think a lot of the errors came on the back of that. Um, plus the the dew on the ground obviously makes it a bit slippery. So it's always tough at that time slot up in Queensland to, to play, but there was a noticeable drop-off I found um, watching it that in those kind of areas. So if they, they want to put teams away, which they, they managed to hold the margin pretty well with North Melbourne and, and not take the gas off too much, but I think North Melbourne actually butchered a few. So I'd like to see them just kind of keep that intensity a bit more and, and really blow teams away. It it does seem like a difficult time slot. I think for the last three or four years, every time I've gone to a Saturday night game, the quality of the football is nowhere near what we should expect. Especially uh, ex- for the Suns, it is anyway. I think we sometimes came across teams like Collingwood or um, Hawthorne and or Richmond, and their skills, even in those dewy conditions, were far superior than the Gold Coast Suns, which is frustrating as a fan because yeah. you would think we should have the dominance when we're playing a home game in those sort of conditions. We, The Suns should be training in those conditions every single week up here. Um, exactly right. So it's very frustrating, and maybe that's why we only had 6,500-ish fans in attendance it was less than 7,000 fans that showed up I was really surprised by that I was expecting a a big game a big crowd Um, were you surprised by that fan in attendance do you think yeah definitely yeah I thought I thought there'd be more more out particularly um, given um, COVID wasn't uh, a massive issue going into the into the round I thought um, there was a really good the optics around um, kind of what the health and safety measures were going to be uh, were pretty good. So, uh, especially first home game of the year, a real good chance to get a win against a North Melbourne side, a really good chance to see uh, some great players in action for us. So, I was surprised. I, th- I thought 10,000 or over, at least, it'd probably be there, but um, it just didn't pan out that way. And I'm sure there's a, there's a reason for that that I'm not aware of. So, hopefully... Um, COVID can stay away and we can uh, keep building some success and the boys can get back to Merchicon and I'm sure if they start sneaking towards finals, we might get a few there. Yeah, hopefully we do because they certainly deserve it if they keep playing good, strong football and hopefully on the back of wins, we see more fans in attendance at Metricon Stadium. Um, One of the positives I found from the game was the even contribution in the midfield and obviously down in defence, how impressive they were working together and getting the ball out of traffic. Yeah, definitely. They um, they showed some incredible skills there and I think it comes from that added cohesion after having last year playing a lot more together. They had some really good... And I think they only use the same 22 to 30 players a lot of the time. So the Hugh Greenwoods, David Swallows, and Brandon Ellis's, and Noah, and Maddie, and everyone in there has played a fair bit together, plus the likes of Darcy McPherson and Ben Ainsworth and that coming into it. So they, they know each other's games a lot more. They know each other's patterns. Uh, Witsy probably knows where to tap it a bit more. So I think that just comes from a bit more cohesion, plus being able to win the ball. So if they're winning most of the stoppages, 
and the centre bounces then um, and getting hands on the ball first is obviously um, the biggest thing you want to do. So to be able to do that, you're on the front foot straight away, which is um, which is really impressive. Yeah, we discussed their composure last week, how impressive it was. Blokes like Jack Bowes and Sean Lemons, uh, Will Powell, having the composure in the defensive 50 to stand up and back themselves in, look for an option. And we saw that this week, but added to that was the speed and agility of having blokes like Noah Anderson, Jack Lukosius, and uh, Oleg Markov running through that midfield and delivering the ball inside 50, giving our forwards, King and Rankin, a chance to really dominate. Um, This style of football is new for the Suns. We've seen them play a lockdown in the past, very Sydney style of game plan bring in the contest, keep the ball close, keep it low scoring. We've noticed a trend. I don't know about you, Tom, but I've noticed I've watched a lot of football this year, and I think it's to do with the new uh, man-on-the-mark rule, and I think it's had a huge impact into the way the game's played. It's a lot more entertaining. It's a lot more fast and free-flowing. Can the Suns maintain a fast, free-flowing football game this year to stay in the contest for finals? Yeah, yeah, I think I think they can, and and when you talk about kind of a new something that we've never seen from the Suns, I think they've they've shown us that they're capable of doing it. And when when you look at the way that they've kind of structured the years under Stewie Jew, it's very much been a laid approach, hasn't it? He hasn't tried to do everything at once, and they could see the way the game's going. So he wanted to sort defence out first, teach teach players to hit bodies hard, and and be able to take hits, um, teach them the basics and the fundamentals of what's kind of going to be their, you know, their foundation, defence first, win the footy, and then what they can do from there. So now this is the next phase, and we saw a little bit of it last year where they where they were able to move, move the ball better. And on top of that, once they got the contest right, um, on the back of recruits like Holman and, and a few others, they've actually all these high draft picks like Jack Lukosius and Noah Anderson and the other guys, they've, they've kind of brought an elite. Uh, ball users into the team now so not only have they got the contest but they've got the balance of the outside runners that can hit targets so to, to be able to have that they, they're a lot more balanced now so they can actually once the new rules come in play they can actually use the open space a lot better and you know North Melbourne on the other hand they'd have open players and they were, they were butchering the ball and, and forcing turnovers whereas the Suns were a lot of times so able to hit a target and, and move forward quickly off it and we know they want to move it. They don't have to be direct all the time. They don't have to. Uh, they can switch the ball out, but they just want to. Hit, they want to move it quickly. Sam Day is, is better when it's held up, and he can move outside 50 meters. And Ben King loves it when there's pace on the ball because he's so fit. He's like a thoroughbred, I call him. When you look at his calves, he's just got veins popping out. And him and him and Rankin can move really quickly and have leading patterns. And because they've only got one defender, um, they get space straight away, and they're giving giving themselves ample opportunity to score. Yeah, Ben King certainly going to go be a huge factor in the the hopes and dreams of the Suns this season. Uh, his partner in crime, Sam Day, unfortunately went down with an injury. Uh, we're still unclear on exactly what it is. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a meniscus, but he's getting uh, he's getting reports from the surgeon and suggestions on what to do next. But that's a horrible blow for Sam Day. He's going to be out for an unknown period of time. And along with that, another knee injury for the Suns, Connor Butterick, uh, has done his ACL. So that's his season over, and that's, I think, three or four ACLs on the Gold Coast Suns list this year. Uh, yeah, such a shame, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is. Do you think there's some sort of correlation there with the ACLs on Metricon Stadium? I think we do a lot of them in the last 10 or so years. It seems to be a common injury for the Suns. Although at the same time as as I think about it, it's probably more of an increase in ACLs in general throughout the competition. Yeah, I think I'd need a a wider width of um, kind of games to really get a uh, better understanding of it. But I was saying to the son of this the other day, I just wonder if the the shorter preseason, obviously a really long year last year, um, had a bit of a break and then came into um, to this year. They only started preseason in January for a lot of them and then you're straight into maybe one preseason game if they're lucky and then straight into a season. And a season that is quicker uh, and more intense than last year and less rotations. So you're having less rest and you're doing more running and you're doing it at a higher level. So... All those things combined, I just wonder if we're going to get to round 10 or round 15 and we're going to see it across the competition that there's there's a, a massive jump in the, the amount of injuries and soft, soft tissue injuries that are, that are happening. I think you might be on to something there because now that I think about it, 20-odd years ago, an ACL would be common from a player landing awkwardly from a marking contest. These days, ACLs seem to go whenever a player tries to suddenly t- turn direction and and move his body weight around um so it could have something to do with the the speed of the game which would be unfortunate because it's a it's a great speed of the game i think at the moment and uh acls are such a horrible injury to see a player out for a season what uh, the only other injury that is new for the suns this week is jacob townsend has a facial fracture which he suffered in the vfl practice game so he's going to be out for a length of time as well. So we're not going to see too much of him, I don't think, this year. Um, he might have to wear a helmet. He just come back from a concussion and now he's fractured his face. So and maybe he's trying to punch the ball with his face. I'm not too <laughs> sure, but he's a uh, poor bloke because it hasn't had a good run. No, he hasn't had a good run since he's come up here. Um, the other bit of news that's been coming out is actually quite a big news story, especially for you at the Gold Coast Bulletin this week. The outbreak that's been happening up in Brisbane has caused several things to happen locally and also to have the Brisbane-Collingwood Easter Thursday clash moved down to Melbourne. Not only that, the Gold Coast Suns side has travelled a couple of days early. They travelled this morning, Tuesday morning, uh, to get out of the Gold Coast and get down to Adelaide. They took 33 players with them and it seems like they're preparing for for the... scenario where we don't have a Gold Coast Carlton game at Metricon next week. Uh, Can you tell us any more about what's going on there at ground level? I know John Haynes did a press conference uh, this afternoon. Yeah, so yeah, they've obviously taken 33 players down, um, similar to the the Titans, the hotspots on the Gold Coast, getting a little bit worse. Um, They just wanted to make sure, just because all their playing group hadn't been in Greater Brisbane, and while they were still healthy, they wanted to make sure that they stayed that way and weren't going to be um, kind of restricted in any way. So got them down to Adelaide early. They were going to have a day off uh, anyway today for the players. They were going to fly, fly down Thursday and do some running before the Friday game. So they've just gone down today to make sure that they, they're in a space where they can play. Um, they're obviously safe. They're isolated away from everything that's happening up here. So they'll do their training runs as, as normal down there and repl- replicate them before Friday's game. So... 
uh, a lot happening. The big concern is probably what happens next because they were due to play away this week and we weren't going to see them. But uh, depending on what happens up here, I'll be going to see them again soon. Yeah, it'll be a shame. I'm looking forward to getting back and watching that Carlton game as well because I think the next two weeks for the Gold Coast Suns is going to be very telling in whether they can play finals this year. We've got a game against Adelaide this Good Good Friday uh, against a team that absolutely demolished Geelong uh, two weeks ago. And then they were themselves demolished by Sydney away last week. Um, they're very much a side that we thought would be bottom of the, of the top 18 down in the you know, bottom four probably, but they could be better. Either way, the Suns need to show that they can beat those teams that are below them and around them, and I think Adelaide fall into that category, especially away. I don't think we've ever won a game at Adelaide Oval, and it wasn't until last year that we'd beaten Adelaide ever. So especially with Tex Walker back in form, it's going to be very telling on the Gold Coast Suns season with how they handle the next two weeks and with the other chance that they're going to be away from home for an extended period of time as well. This could be very, very season-defining. Um, and then the Carlton game. I think, like I said, we have to beat those teams around us and below us. Carlton's one of those sides that will be challenging for a top-eight spot, we expect. And if the Gold Coast Suns can't beat them, especially on their home deck, if it goes ahead that way, um, I, I don't think we can be confident that the Gold Coast would play finals this year. Uh, so what are your thoughts on how they go against Adelaide and Carlton in the coming weeks? Yeah, I think I think Adelaide, um, there's some real potential for danger there because they, they've built their, their game around contest. They've gone right back to the basics, high energy, high contest, and that we saw that in their, their first game in the incredible win. And they're a team along the lines of Sydney Swans. I think both Adelaide and Sydney have really surprised me. I really expected um, fairly less from them. Um, I thought they were going to be pretty low performers this year and we would have gone past them pretty easy. But now I'm looking at the Adelaide Crows thinking that's a really tough assignment to go down to Adelaide Oval, vocal away crowd to the likes of Tex Walker, uh, getting balls from Rory Sloan. So it's going to be a real tough midfield battle and something that could really come down to the wire for the Suns. It is. It's it's going to be challenging, especially Taylor Walker leading the Coleman medal, 11 goals so far. Uh, it's going to be a big job for Collins and Charlie Ballard to stop Taylor Walker. And I think it all comes from our midfield being able to limit their supply um, and winning the one-on-one -on -one battles that eventuate throughout the, throughout the game on the night. Um, I think the Suns can win, and I'll, I'll agree with what you said on the Heat Room podcast. I think about two to three goals for the Suns, uh, unlike Sean, who thinks um, Adelaide will, <laughs> will get the win. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because um, Adelaide Oval, I don't know if you've ever been there, but they get massive crowd there, and uh, it's, it's one of those venues that, similar to Perth and similar to the MCG, you go, you go there and you, you feel like you're down by 20 points already and the game hasn't even started yet. So it's a, it's a really tough place to go to. A beautiful oval, but um, yeah, I'm hoping that the South Australian boys feel very at home there. Now, I'm a former Crow eater, Tom, so I know Adelaide quite well, although I've never been to Adelaide Oval. When, last time I was there, it was Football Park that they were playing at, and even then, that was a very hostile ground. 
anyone that comes up against the Crows because uh, down in South Australia, they absolutely love their football. And um, anyone that doesn't support the Crows or Port uh, are the enemies. Um, who do you think comes in for the injured Butterick and Day this week? I, I really like the idea of bringing in Burgess for Day. I think his... He's got a history being South Australian, being able to play at that oval and understanding it. And I think the form that he showed in the VFL game uh, sort of gives him the opportunity to jump in front of Corbett. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he, he offers a lot. I, w- I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they went for Corbett as well because he, I think he provides a lot. His running ability um, and also his work in the contest and, and marking is great but I'm, I'm similar to you I'd go Chris Burgess because he can also chop out in the ruck whereas Corbett can't do that um, I think Chris Burgess is incredibly versatile he can play down back he can play up forward and he can play in the ruck plus he's got a, some good height on him uh, he's got a good kick and um, he, he's mature so when, when a team that's still pretty young uh, he's got experience at AFL level and, and he can lead a few of the young boys around so I'd be very comfortable with Chris coming in yeah, agree with that. And uh, to replace Butterick, I don't think you can really go past Jared Harbrow, can you? Yeah, who would have thought that we'd be talking about a um, Jared Harbrow coming in to replace someone? But um, it's that's the way it is, and I'm I'm so stoked that we've got someone of his caliber to be able to come in and do that. Yeah, I definitely think it's time for Harbrow to get back in the side. Injuries paved the way, and to be honest. Unless they were to bring in Atkins, but he's only played one game in the VFL practice game. And from my understanding, it wasn't a fantastic game for him, but he did get through unscathed. Um, I think Harbrow still gets that spot. Uh, we've been talking, hinting at it, but let's jump into that VFL. We've only got a couple of minutes, so I'll be quick. Um, Gold Coast Suns played Southport in a practice match. 15 goals, 3.93. They defeated Southport, 6 goals, 11.47. Three goals for Corbett, two goals for Fiorini, Townsend, Huego Paul Oa, or affectionately known as Ace, uh, Burgess, Farah, all, co- all scored two goals. Um, Atkins played a full game on the wing, but he wasn't mentioned among the best, so I can only assume that he wasn't. He did just enough, but um, nothing fantastic. And Harbrow and Burgess, like I said earlier, they were amongst the best, and they should probably be first in line to come into the senior side this week. Um, did you happen to see that game, or did you get any report from one of your colleagues on it? Uh, that one was behind closed doors, so we couldn't actually go watch it, which was a bit unfortunate. But, geez, I'm looking forward to the VFL this year, even for uh, the, the likes of the Southport Sharks to play some um, AFL reserves teams. If you're a lover of footy on the coast, then um, there's going to be a lot more action to be able to go watch at a high level, which is fantastic. But um, I think you summed it up uh, nicely there. And those players obviously did a, uh, a, ter- a terrific job. So yeah, I, re- I really can't wait to see the likes of Ace and also Malcolm Roses. I feel like the way the game's being played at the moment, there's a real um, need for those players again. We've seen the Cyril... Uh, Cyril's and the Eddie Betts of the world tear up the AFL, but they're really rare commodities, aren't they? Whereas I think the the ability to go one-on-one and and to dash around and get some space, I think there's going to be a real need for those small forwards and, and crafty forwards who can who can kind of get, get some space, show a bit of speed and, and get around corners. So I, I can't wait to see those unleashed. I think they've got to do a little bit more defensive work before they reach it. But, um, yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, agree with those small forwards. I'm really looking forward to see what Mally Roses Jr. can do because he seems to be one of those players that has so much X-factor and can make anything happen. I think he's been running through the midfield lately as well, which would be amazing if he could contribute that at AFL level. Uh, touching on the VFL, we're going to be playing starting round one is April 17 against Footscray at Oval. Provided that we don't have any more outbreaks and any lockdowns, it should go ahead. There's going to be a 16-game season over 19 rounds, and we play teams such as Footscray, Brisbane, Southport, and Aspley twice this year, and then come up against the VFL affiliates and teams off other AFL sides. So it's going to be an increase in the level of competition for the Suns this year, and if that VFL goes ahead, I think it's going to be fantastic. The only problem is probably the name of the league. Uh, not <laughs> not keen on VFL. No. <laughs> All right. Agree well, on you that. Thank you for joining me tonight, Tom. It's been a pleasure having a chat with you, and I hope to have you on the show another time. Or alternatively, you could invite me onto the heat room. I'm more than willing to, to have a chat with you and Sean. Um, My pleasure, mate. We'll see how that goes in the future. Uh, fantastic. Until next time, go Suns. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.